This is chapter 2 of the book Heaven on Earth by Puritan Thomas Brooks. Uh, chapter 2 is entitled Weighty Propositions Concerning Assurance. This is the fourth part of chapter 2 that I'm reading. This will be the last part of chapter 2, which has been very long. And um, we're in the section which deals with God's particular assurance given to those who take or make use of the ordinances. The ordinances being, of course, communion and other things that God commands for our blessing. And uh, I would uh, probably add sitting under the ministry of God, fellowship with the saints, um, these things. <clears throat> so we're to the fifth reason here uh, why God blesses the use of the ordinance to assurance. The fifth reason, the fifth and last reason why the Lord is graciously pleased to give his people some sense of his love and some assurance of his favour in ordinances is that they may have wherewithal to silence and stop the mouths of wicked and ungodly men whose words are stout against the Lord, who say it is vain to serve God, <clears throat> and what profit is there in keeping his statutes and ordinances, and in walking mournfully before the Lord of hosts? Malachi 3 verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> now the Lord causes his face to shine upon his people in ordinances, that they may stand up and bear him witness before the wicked world, that he is no hard master, that he reaps not where he not, where he sows not. In ordinances he kisses them, and there he gives them his love, and makes known his goodness and glory. That his children may, from their own experiences, be able to confute all the lies and clamours of wicked men against God and his ways. And blessed be God, that hath not left himself without witness, <clears throat> but hath many thousands that can stand up before all the world, and declare that they have been the beauty and the glory of God in his sanctuary, have seen, sorry, the beauty and glory of God in his sanctuary, that they have met with those, they have met with those joys and comforts in the ways of God that do as far surpass all other joys and comforts, as light does darkness, as heaven does hell, that they have met with such heart meltings, such heart humblings, such heart re revivings, such heart cheerings, as they have never met with before in all their days. Ah, say these souls, one day in his courts is better than a thousand. A thousand years elsewhere, Psalm 84, verse 10. Oh, we had rather with Moses lose all, and be whipped and stripped of all, than lose the sweet enjoyments of God in ordinances. Oh, in them God hath been light and life, a joy and a crown to our souls. God is tender of his own glory and of his children's comfort, and therefore he gives them such choice views of himself and such sweet visits in ordinances that they may have arguments at hand to stop the mouths of sinners and to declare from their own experience that all the ways of God are ways of pleasantness and that all his paths drop fatness. Proverbs 3 verse 17, Psalm 65 verse 11. And thus much for the reasons why God lifts up the light of his countenance upon his people in ordinances. Before I pass to the next particular, it will be necessary that I lay down these cautions <coughs> to prevent <coughs> weak saints from stumbling and doubting who have not yet found the Lord giving out his favours and making known his grace and love in such a sensible way to their souls in breaking the bread of life as others have found. 1. The first caution. Now the first caution I shall lay down is this, <clears throat> that even believers may sometimes come and go from this ordinance without the, that comfort, that assurance, 
that joy, that refreshment that others have and may meet with. And this may arise partly from their unpreparedness and unfitness to meet with God in the ordinance. He's talking specifically about the Lord's Supper here. 2 Chronicles 30, 19 2 and 20. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 20 to 34. <clears throat> and partly from their playing and dallying with some bosom sin, or else it may arise from their not stirring up themselves to lay hold on God, as the prophet Isaiah complains. There is none that calleth upon God thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. Isaiah 64 verse 7. Or else it may arise from the spirit standing at a distance from the soul. It may be, O soul, that thou hast set the comforter, the spirit, a mourning, and therefore it is, is that he refuses to comfort thee, and to be a sealing and witnessing spirit unto thee. Thou hast grieved him with thy sins, and he will now vex thee by his silence. Thou hast thrown the cordials against the wall, thou hast trampled his manna under thy feet, and therefore it is that he hath veiled his face, and changed his countenance and carriage towards thee. Thou hast been unkind to the Spirit, and therefore he carries it towards thee as an enemy, and not as a friend. Psalm 77 verse 2, Genesis 31 verse 5. <clears throat> the second caution is this, that though God doth in this ordinance withhold comfort and assurance from thee, yet thou must hold on in the duty, thou must wait at the hope's hospital. At this heavenly pool thou must lie till the angel of the covenant, the Lord Jesus, comes and breathes upon thee, at these waters of the sanctuary thou must lie, till the Spirit moves upon thy soul. Thou must not neglect thy work, though God always delays thy comfort. Thou must be as obedient in the want of assurance as thou art thankful under the enjoyment of assurance. Laban often changed Jacob's wages, yet Jacob never changed nor neglected his work. Though God should change thy wages, thy comforts into discomforts, thy spring into an autumn, and so on, Yet thou must never change nor neglect thy work, which is obeying, believing, and waiting, till God in his ordinances shall lift up the light of his countenance upon thee, and turn thy night into day, and thy morning into rejoicing. God is the same, and the commands of the gospel are the same, and therefore thy work is the same, whether it be night or day with thy soul, whether thou art under frowns or smiles, in the arms or at the feet of God. <clears throat> 3. The third caution is this. Many of the precious sons and daughters of Zion have had and may have so much comfort and sweetness, so much life and heat, so much reviving and quickening, so much marrow and fatness in this ordinance, as may clearly evidence the special presence of God with their spirits, and as they would not exchange for all the world, and yet they would give a world were it in their power for those strong comforts and full assurance that others enjoy, enjoy in this ordinance. In this ordinance, Christ looks upon one and kisses another. He gives a nod to one and his hand to another. Some in this ordinance shall have but sips of mercy. Others shall have large draughts of mercy. Some in this ordinance shall see but the back parts of Christ. Others shall see him face to face. Lamentations 1.16 <clears throat> To one he gives silver, to another he gives gold. To one he gives but a glass of consolation. To another he gives flagons of consolation. Solomon's Song 2 verse 5 Some shall have but drops, others shall swim in the ocean. Some shall have a large harvest, others shall have but a few gleanings. And yet they, if rightly valued, are of more worth than a world. 
The son of righteousness is a free agent, and he will work and shine forth as he pleases, and on whom he pleases. And who art thou that darest say to Christ, Why doest thou so? Ah, Christians, you may not, you must not say, We have not met with Christ in the, re- in the sacrament, because we have not met with joy and assurance in the sacrament. <clears throat> For you may enjoy very much of Christ in that ordinance, and yet not so much as may boil up to full assurance, and make you go away singing, My beloved is mine, and I am his. Solomon's Song 2.16 We may enjoy the warmth and heat of the sun, when we cannot see the sun, that so souls may enjoy much of Christ by holy influences in the sacrament, when they cannot see Christ in the sacrament. And then the sixth section in this on assurance um, in this chapter is um, during times of personal afflictions. So we can have assurance during times of personal afflictions. We've moved on from sacraments now. Ordinances now. Um, six. Sixthly, times of personal afflictions are times wherein the Lord is graciously pleased to vouchsafe to his people sweet manifestations of his love and favour. When his hand is heavy on them, then he lifts up the light of his countenance upon them. Psalm 71, verses 20 and 21. Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles shalt quicken me again, and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness <coughs> and comfort me on every side. So Psalm ninety-four, nineteen. In the multitude of my careful troubled thoughts, thy comforts delight my soul. Ah, Christians, hath not God by all afflictions lifted up your souls nearer heaven, as Noah's ark was lifted up nearer and nearer heaven by the rising of the waters higher and higher? So afflictions do but elevate and raise a saint's affections to heaven and heavenly things. When Munster lay sick and his friends asked him how he did, he pointed to his sores and ulcers, whereof he was full, and said, These are God's gems and jewels, wherein he decketh his best friends, and to me they are more precious than all the gold and silver in the world. Affections benedictiones. Afflictions are blessings. God's corrections are our instructions. His lashes are lessons. <clears throat> his scourges are schoolmasters. His chastisements are admonitions. And to note this, the Hebrews and Greeks both do express chastening and teaching by one and the same word, because the latter is the true end of the former. Ah, you afflicted sons and daughters of Zion, have you not had such sweet discoveries of God, such sensible demonstrations of his love, such bowels of affections working in him towards you? Have you not had such gracious visits and such glorious visions that you would not exchange for all the world? Yes, have you not had the precious presence of God with you, quieting and stilling your souls, supporting and upholding your souls, cheering and refreshing your souls? Yes, and have you not had the Lord applying precious promises and suitable remedies to all your maladies? Have you not found God bringing in unexpected mercy in the day of your adversity, suitable to that promise? Hosea 2 verse 14. I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably to her, or I will speak earnestly to her heart as the Hebrew reads it. Yes, have you not found that God hath so sweetened and sanctified afflictions to you as to make them a means to discover many sins that lay hid and to purge you from many sins that cleaved close unto you 
and to prevent you from falling into many sins that would have been the breaking of your bones and the loss of your comfort. Yes, have you not found that you have been like the walnut tree, the better for beating, and like the vine, the better for bleeding, and like the ingenious child, the better for whipping? Yes, have you not found afflictions to revive, quicken, and recover your decayed graces? Have they not inflamed that love that hath been cold, and put life into that faith that hath been dying, and quickened those hopes that have been withering, and put spirit into those joys and comforts that have been languishing? Yes. Oh, then, stand up and declare to all the world that times of affliction have been the times wherein you have seen the face of God, and heard the voice of God, and fed upon the delicacies of God, and drunk deep of the consolations of God, and have been most satisfied and delighted with the presence and incomes of God. When Hezekiah, in his greatest affliction, lamentingly said, Isaiah 38, verses 9 to 20, I shall go mourning to my grave. I shall not see the Lord in the land of the living. He will cut me off with pining sickness. He will break all my bones. Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fail with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed, undertake for me. So now God comes in a way of mercy to him, and prints his love upon his heart. Verse 17. Thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, or rather, as the Hebrew reads it, Thou hast loved my soul from the grave, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Ah, says Hezekiah, I have found that in my afflictions... Thy affections have been most strongly carried towards me, as towards one whom thou art exceedingly taken with. O oh, now thou hast warned me with thy love, and visited me with thy grace. Thou hast made my darkness to be light, and turned my sighing into singing, and my mourning into rejoicing. So when Habakkuk's belly trembled, and his lips quivered, and rottenness entered into his bones, and all creature comforts failed, Yet then had he such a sweet presence of God with his spirit as made him rejoice in the midst of sorrows. Yet, says he, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. And thus you see it clear that in times of affliction, God makes sweet manifestations of his love and favour to his children's souls. 7. During seasons of prayer. So... Um, yes, number seven now. Seasons of prayer. Seventhly, praying times are times wherein the Lord is graciously pleased to give his people some sweet and comfortable assurance of his love and favour towards them. Prayer crowns God with the honour and glory that is due to his name. And God crowns prayer with assurance and comfort. Usually the most praying souls are the most assured souls, there is no service wherein souls have such a near, familiar and friendly intercourse with God as in this of prayer. Neither is there any service wherein God doth more delight to make know his grace and goodness, his mercy and bounty, his beauty and glory to poor souls than this of prayer. The best and the sweetest flowers of paradise God gives to his people when they are upon their knees. Prayer is Porto Coeli, the gate of heaven, Clavis Paradisi, a key to let us into paradise. When John was weeping in prayer, doubtless, the sealed book was opened to him. Many Christians have found by experience that prayer times are sealing times, 
times wherein God hath sealed up to them the remission of their sins, and the salvation of their souls. They have found prayer to be a shelter to their souls, a sacrifice to God, a sweet savour to Christ, a scourge to Satan, and an inlet to assurance. God loves to lay the wings of prayer with the choicest and chief blessings. Ah, how often, Christians, hath God kissed you at the beginning of prayer, and spoken peace to you in the midst of prayer, and filled you with joy and assurance upon the close of prayer. That ninth of Daniel, from the seventeenth to the three and twentieth verse, is full to the point in hand. I shall only cite the words of the last four verses, Daniel 9, verses 20 to 23. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter, and consider the vision. In these words, you see, whilst Daniel was in prayer, the Lord appears to him, and gives him a divine touch, and tells him that he is a man greatly beloved, whereas the Hebrew hath it, a man of desires. So Acts 10, verses 1 to 4. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band, a devout man, <clears throat> and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God alway. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Praying Cornelius, you see, is remembered by God, and visited sensibly and evidently by an angel, and assured that his prayers and good deeds are not only an odour, a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God, but also that they shall be gloriously rewarded by God. So when Peter was praying, he fell into a trance, and saw heaven opened, and had his mind elevated, and all the faculties of his soul filled with a divine revelation. Acts ten nine to sixteen. So when Paul was a praying, he sees a vision. Acts nine verses eleven to sixteen. Ananias a coming and laying his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. Paul had not been long at prayer before it was revealed to him that he was a chosen vessel, before he was filled with the voice and comforts of the Holy Ghost. So our Saviour was transfigured as as he was praying. Matthew nine seventeen verses one to two. Thus you see that praying times are times wherein the Lord is graciously pleased to lift up the light of his countenance upon his people, and to cause his grace and favour, his goodness and kindness to rest on them, as the spirit of Elijah did rest on Elisha, 2 Kings 2.15. Objection. But some may object and say, we have been at the door of mercy early and late for assurance, and yet we have not obtained it. We have prayed and waited, and we have waited and prayed, we have prayed and mourned, and we have mourned and prayed, and yet we cannot get a good word from God, a smile from God. He hath covered himself with a cloud, and after all that we have done, it is still night with our souls. God seems not to be at home, he seems not to value our prayers. 
We call and cry and shout out for assurance, and yet he shutteth out our prayer. We are sure that we have not found praying times to be times of assurance to our souls. And so on, Lamentations 3.8. Answer 1. Now to this objection I shall give these answers. 1. First, that it may be you have been more earnest and vehement for assurance and the effects of it, that is joy, comfort and peace, than you have been for grace and holiness, for communion with God and conformity to God. It may be your request for assurance have been full of life and spirits when your request for grace and holiness, for communion with God and conformity to God, have been lifeless and spiritless. If so, no wonder that assurance is denied you. Assurance makes most of your comfort, for your comfort, but holiness makes most for God's honour. Man's holiness is now his greatest happiness, and in heaven man's greatest happiness will be his perfect holiness. Assurance is the daughter of holiness, and he that shall more highly prize and more earnestly press after the enjoyment of the daughter than the mother. It is no, not a wonder if God shuts the door upon him and crosses him in the thing he most desires. The surest and the shortest way to assurance is to wrestle and contend with God for holiness, as the angel contended with the devil about the body of Moses, Jude chapter 9, Jude verse 9. When the stream had cream of man's spirit, and cream of man's spirit runs after holiness, it will not long be night with that man. The sun of righteousness will shine forth upon that man and turn his winter into summer and crown him with the diadem of assurance, Malachi 4.2. The more holy any person is, the more excellent he is. All corruptions are diminutions of excellency. The more mixed anything is, the more it is abased, as if gold and tin be mixed. And the more pure it is, as mere gold, the more glorious it is. Now the more divinely excellent any man is, the more fit he is to enjoy the choicest and highest favours. Assurance is a jewel of that value, that he will bestow it upon none but his excellent ones. Psalm 16 verse 3. Assurance is that tried gold that none can wear but those that win it in a way of grace and holiness. Revelation 3.18 it may be, if thou hadst minded and endeavoured more after communion with God and conformity to God, that thou mightest before this time have looked upward and seen God in Christ smiling upon thee, and have looked inward into thine own soul and seen the Spirit of grace witnessing to thy spirit that thou wert a son, an heir, an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Romans eight fifteen to seventeen. But thou hast minded more thy own comfort than Christ's honour. Thou hast minded the blossoms and the fruit, assurance and peace more than Christ the root. Thou hast minded the springs of comfort more than Christ. The fountains of life thou hast minded the beams of the sun more than the sun of righteousness. And therefore it is but a righteous thing with God to leave thee to walk in a valley of darkness, to hide his face from thee and to seem to be as an enemy to thee. Answer 2. But secondly, I answer, it may be thou art not yet fit for so choice a mercy, thou art not able to bear so great a favour. Many heads are not able to bear strong waters. Why, the very quintessence of all the strong consolations of God is wrung out in this golden cup of assurance. And can you think, can you drink of this cup and not stammer or stagger? Believe it, assurance is meat for strong men. Few babes, if are any, are able to bear it and digest it. 
The apostle saith, Hebrews 5, verses 12 and 14, that strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, or that are comparatively perfect or full grown, even those who by reason of use, Greek by reason of habit, which is um, got by continual custom and long practice, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. <clears throat> the Greek word properly signifies such an exercise as wrestlers or such as contend for victory do use, which is with all their might and strength, being trained up unto it by long exercise. <clears throat> it may be, O complaining Christian, that thou art but a scrub, a babe in grace, 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 to 3. Haply thou art not yet got beyond the breast, or, if thou art, yet thou art not past the spoon. Ah, Christian, if it be thus with thee, cease complaining of want and of assurance, and, and be up and growing, be more aged in grace and holiness, and thou shalt find assurance growing upon thee. Divine wisdom sparkles much in this, in giving milk to babes that are more carnal than spiritual, and meat, that is, assurance to strong men, that have more skill and will, that have a greater um, ability and choice of faculty to prize and improve this jewel of assurance than babes have. The Hebrew word chaboth signifies both weight and glory, and verily glory is such a weight that if the body were not upheld by that glorious power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave, if it were not borne up by everlasting arms, it were impossible it should bear it. Deuteronomy 33.27 Now assurance is the top of glory. It is the glory of glory. Then certainly they had need be very glorious within that shall be crowned with such a weight of glory as assurance is. Psalm 45 verse 13 Well, remember this. It is mercy to want mercy till we are fit for mercy, till we are able to bear the weight of mercy and make a divine improvement of mercy. Answer 3. Thirdly, you must distinguish between delays and denials. God may delay us when he does not deny us. He may defer the giving of a mercy and yet at last give the very mercy begged. Baron Hannah prays year after year for a mercy God delays her long, but at last gives her her desire. And the text says expressly that her countenance was no more sad, 1 Samuel 1 verse 18. After many prayers and tears, the Lord comes in and assures her that she should have the desire of her soul. And now she mourns no more, but sits down satisfied, comforted and cheered. After much praying, waiting and weeping, God usually comes with his hands and heart full of mercy to his people. He loves not to come vacuous manibus, empty-handed, to those that have sat long with wet eyes at mercy's door. Christ tried the faith, patience and constancy of the Canaanite woman, Matthew fifteen twenty-one to 29 He deferred and delayed her, he reproached and repulsed her, and yet at last is overcome by her as not being able any longer to withstand her importunate requests. O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Christ puts her off at first, but closes with her at last. At first a good word, a good look, is too good for her, but at last good words and good looks are too little for her. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. At first Christ carries himself to her as a churlish stranger, but at last as an amorous lover. Though at first he had not an ear to hear her, yet at last he had a heart to grant her 
not only her desires, but even what else she would desire over and above what she had desired. God heard Daniel at the beginning of his supplications, and his love was working strongly towards him, but the angel Gabriel doth not inform Daniel of this till afterwards. Daniel 9.15-25 Praying souls, you say that you have prayed long for assurance, and yet you have not obtained it. Well, pray still. Oh, pray and wait, wait and pray. The vision for is, an appointed, is for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 God hath never, never failed. God will never fail the praying soul in the, loving, in the long run. Thou shalt be sure to obtain that assurance that will richly recompense thee for all thy praying, waiting and weeping. Therefore hold up and hold on praying. Though God doth delay thee and my soul for thine, thou shalt reap in due season such a harvest of joy and comfort as will sufficiently pay thee for all thy pains. Galatians 6, nine. Shall the husbandman wait patiently for the precious fruits of the earth? James 5.9 And wilt not thou wait patiently for assurance, which is a jewel worth more than heaven and earth? Praying souls, remember this. It is but weakness to think that men shall reap as soon as they sow, that they shall reap in the evening when they have but sowed in the morning. The Emperor Titus Vespasian never dismissed any petitioner with a tear in his eye or with a heavy heart. And shall we think that the God of compassions will always dismiss the petitioners of heaven with tears in their eyes? Surely no. And then the eighth place where we might find assurance. Before conflicts with Satan. Eighthly, sometimes before the soul is deeply engaged in sore conflicts with Satan, the Lord is graciously pleased to visit his people with his long loving kindness and to give them some sweet assurance that though they are tempted, yet they shall not be worsted. Though they are tried, yet they shall not be, yet they shall be crowned. John 10:28. Though Satan doth roar as a lion against the soul, yet he shall not make a prey of the soul. For the lion of the tribe of Judah will hold it fast and none shall pluck it out of his hand. Revelation 5, 5. God first fed Israel with manna from heaven and gave them water to drink out of the rock before their sore fight with Amalek, Exodus 17, 8 um, to 16. Paul, before Paul was buffeted by Satan, he was caught up into the third heaven where he had very glorious visions and revelations of the Lord even such as he was not able to utter, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 8. Before Jesus Christ was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, to question and doubt of his sonship, he heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, Matthew 3:17. The Spirit of the Lord did first descend upon him as a dove, before Satan fell upon him as a lion. God walks with his people, some turns in paradise and gives them some tastes of his right-hand pleasures before Satan is, by his tempting, shall do them a displeasure, Psalm 16.11. But I must hasten to a close of this chapter and therefore, nine, after conflicts with Satan. Ninthly and lastly, after some sharp conflicts with Satan, God is graciously pleased to lift up the light of his countenance upon his people and to warm 
and cheer their hearts with the beams of his love. Matthew 4 verse 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. When Christ had even spent himself in foiling and quelling, in resisting and scattering Satan's temptations, then the angels come and minister cordials and comforts unto him. So after Paul had been buffeted by Satan, he heard that sweet word from heaven, My grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is made perfect in weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10, which filled his heart with joy and gladness. The hidden mana, the new name, and the white stone is given to the conqueror, Revelation 7, 17, to him that hath fought with principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6, 12, and is come off with his garments dipped in blood. After the Roman generals had gotten victory over their enemies, the Senate did use not one way, but many ways to express their loves to them. So after our faith hath gotten victory over Satan, God usually takes the soul in his arms and courts it, and shows much kindness to it. Now the soul shall be carried in triumph. Now the chariot of state attends the soul. Now white raiment is put upon the soul. Revelation 3, 5 and 7, 9. Now palms are put into the conqueror's hands. Now the garland is set upon the conqueror's head. And now a royal feast is provided where God will set the conqueror at the upper end of the table and speak kindly and carry it sweetly towards him as one much affected and taken with his victory over the prince of darkness. Conflicts with Satan are usually the sharpest and the hottest. They spend and waste most the vital and noble spirits of the saints. And therefore the Lord, after such conflicts, doth ordinarily give his people his choicest and his strongest cordials. And thus, by divine assistance, we have showed you the special times and seasons wherein the Lord is graciously pleased to give his people some tastes of his love, some sweet assurance that they enjoy his favour, that all is well and shall be forever well between him and them, and that though many things may trouble them, yet nothing shall separate them from their God, their Christ, their crown. End of chapter 2. Now chapter 3, which we'll get to next, <coughs> is entitled hindrances and impediments that keep poor souls from assurance with the means and helps to remove those impediments and hindrances. Wonderful, wonderful teaching in this book. <laughs>